Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. If you haven't rated this podcast on your podcast service, we'd encourage you to do that. I'd appreciate it if you would. It helps us get the word out. I'm so excited this week because we have a guest on the podcast, and that guest is Jessica Rust. Yeah, see, Jessica brought the message this past Sunday. She did an exceptional job unpacking the story of the Magi, or as Alex would say it, the Magi. Um, but on this week's episode, if you've ever wrestled with this feeling that I'm just not, I don't feel like worshiping God right now, or I'm just not sensing his presence right now, or I'm not hearing from him, or, 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 if you've ever experienced a season of life like that, some of the words that Jessica offers us in this episode will help you navigate what you're supposed to do then. She tells some of her own personal stories and how this particular story of the Magi or Magi speaks into that. Without any further ado, let's dive into the episode. Thanks again for tuning in. Well, we might be live anyway, so <laughs> I'm not ready for this podcast, actually. I had to run and grab a third microphone. Did you so... have to go and buy a new shirt? No. <laughs> This shirt is awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. I love it. Uh, are we? We probably are live because it is time. But um, I'm definitely not ready because I'm plugging in microphones, checking them, and so forth. So, is my hi everybody? Hi. Hey. <laughs> uh, welcome, Jessica, to the show. Jessica was our communicator for this week, and uh, we're excited to talk to her. And why don't you guys carry on the conversation? Because I'm going to function a little <laughs> bit more like a producer this week, anyway. <laughs> is that is that a microphone jack in your hand that you're still plugging in? No, this is actually just my monitoring. Oh, okay. Oh, well, um, so it's chaos here this morning. For those of is. you that um, are not watching, Aaron has a delightful shirt on that's dark green with some, I don't know, brown and some. I don't, and every time you wear that shirt, someone says, is that a new shirt? Yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, I don't get a lot of people saying, oh, man, I just love that shirt. They're like, yeah. wow, that's yeah. a shirt. So yeah, it's, it's like, like this that. weird neutral comment. Yeah. I don't know if any. I don't think it's neutral. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. I don't, At least I, Jessica's honest. I don't know if you guys either. If you guys have read P.G. Wodehouse, is an English author. He wrote like Jeeves and Worcester, that that pretty well known show. And there's this moment, Birdie's wearing this new, uh, new suit, and his butler Jeeves thinks it's awful. Uh, and so Bertie says, like, but but people keep asking who my tailor is. And Jeeves <laughs> is like, doubtless to avoid him, sir. <laughs> just, uh, maybe maybe people don't shop at Eddie Bauer just because of that shirt. I don't know. I like it. I think it's a great shirt. Um, and that's not what we're here to talk about anyway, as much as it's no. a compelling <laughs> conversation. Um, so this week, Jessica, you were part of our Advent series. Mm -hmm. And we got to talk. Well, I guess we got to talk about the Magi is one way of expressing it, but it's actually a little more complex than that, right? Because it is about yeah. the Magi. And it's, about, it's about the Magi, but the Magi aren't really the point of the story. I'm hoping that... Which later I have questions mm, about that, by the way. Yeah, Magi and Magi are like English and British English, ways of yeah. saying the same thing. I don't know. We're I'm definitely right. right. Saying it wrong. <laughs> like, wait, I said Magi, you say Magi, that's fine. I think, yeah. maybe. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why, like, I, I'm fine... I'm fine with most of your British pronunciations. I'm like, yeah, they're probably right because they invented the language or whatever. This one, I think you're just wrong. That could be, yeah, that could be right. And and we butcher some words. What did I say? To, I said to someone the other day uh, something about I like to try new ideas, like throwing pasta on the wall. And they were like, you throw pastas at walls? What? 
what do you mean? I'm like, pasta. no, pa- pasta. Pa- pa- <laughs> pasta, however you say that word. I think if I was to say it the way that you do, my not really existing accent would come out. Yeah. Magi. Yeah, Magi. <laughs> what accent would that be, by the way? I don't know. Pacific Northwest doesn't really have an identifiable mm. accent. Yeah. Compared to the rest of the country. Yeah. So. So yeah, other than pretentiousness, be. which is what I think of when I think of the Pacific Northwest, I think of that slightly like you know. Like, what are you saying? I don't know. I just, <laughs> I'm going to come to Jessica's defense. She's not pretentious. She's yeah. not, but I'm saying uh, that, that, that what it resonates with me. Gotta be careful like, what you say. Like like Portland type feel, like you know. I, I just yeah, we're I, the worst. Everything <laughs> I learned is from Portlandia. It's <laughs> <laughs> like half accurate. <laughs> It's like people shopping for grains and stuff like that. We're the know. worst. Yeah. <laughs> That's quote of the day. Quote of the day. All right. So, yeah. So, we should dive into accents. something other than that. <laughs> I'm actually going to move your mic just down a little bit out of your um, face. Okay. Since you're, Thank you. Yeah. So, right. so, usually what we do, and, and you've been on the show before, so you know kind of the format. When I've been speaking, and, and for those of you that don't come to South, when we say communicated, we mean the person that was on stage at South this week. We usually talk about some of the prep that goes into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I think I asked you maybe, was it six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, if you would consider teaching in Advent? Yeah. And you said, I'd be happy to do that. And and so you jumped in. And, and again, it was wonderful. So thank, thank you. you so much for, for being part of our teaching team. Um, but walk us through a little bit like what that prep was like and, and how you approached it. Yeah, well, um, I realized that this was my first sermon in two and a half years, so mm. it's a slow process. <laughs> um, just not being in the rhythm anymore of doing that regularly. Um, I did, when I was at seminary, took a narrative preaching class out of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So I still have those questions that they teach you to ask and when you look at the text of like is this a standalone story is there stuff that comes before where it kind of picks up in the middle and you need to make sure you explain that maybe you um, should give me those questions sometime i literally like <laughs> I, I i never did learn to preach in seminary so i just <laughs> just made it up <laughs> so yeah um, yeah so it's questions like that of just what's happening uh-huh. what's repeated um but then it gets into questions like where does god show up um where does sin or human need show mm. up what kind of questions might people be asking that this text resonates with it helps you think about that all the way through and then after you kind of think about it for yourself and see what you notice in scripture then you go to commentaries and Mm -hmm. see what other people think is happening in the text um so it was a balance of that and through that process this the two ideas of kingship and worship were Mm. really what came through in that more so than just this is what the Magi did. Matthew, it seems, is is telling their story and they are important to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but they themselves are not inherently the point of the story. Jesus is still the point. Which, the which is true for us, right, as well. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the fascinating thing. Like, our life is a lived experience. We are, in some ways, the center of our story. We're asked to place Jesus as the center of mm-hmm. our story instead. Uh, and that has complications. Yeah. Um, and so when you use the word kingship and worship, so uh, kingship, maybe a little bit, um, you made this beautiful joke about British people um, or one British person in our <laughs> community. I get kingship, I guess, to a degree that maybe some Americans don't. 
Yeah, I think we probably treat, and I say this without actually having lived in a society that does have a monarchy, so this is probably a guess. But my guess is we treat certain leaders or public figures more like kings or queens than we realize that we do. Unpack. Let's see. Yeah, let's delve into that. Let's right. like like. Do you have an example? You didn't know that was going to bring us so much excitement in Alex. Yeah, I'm just like, I just yeah, said yeah. A, yeah. Other than LeBron James, who goes by King James, I um, mean that that is a good example. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other sports figures, like we were probably hoping to treat Russell Wilson this way. Ah. As Broncos fans, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. At least let's just season. not talk about that. Move on. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom yeah. Brady would be one yeah. if. Yeah. You know, even if you're not really a Patriots fan or a Buccaneers fan at this point, like that was kind of the mm. space that he yeah. has occupied as one of the greatest of the greatest. There is certainly a reverence, isn't there, around, especially mm-hmm. around sporting figures. Mm-hmm. Um, that, sporting yeah. figures, uh, other figures in pop culture, Beyonce. We probably Beyonce. Uh, She's a queen. tend to treat that way. There's, to a certain degree, there's something that they can't do wrong you will always back them or support them or um maybe make excuses they're for certainly them. polarizing right like yeah. and michael jackson is probably a good example yeah. of this like there was a i mean there was a time where michael jackson was possibly the most famous person in the world yeah like you could put him almost anywhere and and people knew who he was i think it comes down to maybe you're giving your allegiance to that person mm. more hmm. so than what else they represent Mm. um like if you are a tom brady fan you followed him from the patriots to the buccaneers like it wasn't really about the team that he was on Uh it was about tom brady yes um so so where where i I think i agree with that where where i think there's a like a fascinating difference for us to maybe pursue because because i think while england still has a monarchy uh, it's it's very much a symbolic thing now so it actually connects a lot more with that idea than than a traditional mm-hmm. feudal monarchy. And I would suggest with what Jesus says about kingship and how he sees it. Because so, so I, can, I can think Tom Brady is divine in whatever way I mean. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I, I can follow Tom Brady. I can be excited about everything he does. I can believe he's the greatest quarterback of all time. He has no knowledge of who I am, mm-hmm. has no ability to ask me of anything, uh, ask anything of me. And, and so at, at that point, like there is no real connection. Whereas in a traditional feudal monarchy, if a king said, you do this, you did it. Yeah. Like there, there was no, there was no opt in, opt out. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and, and so, so you see that like in terms of like the, the Roman idea of kingship and rulership. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was also entwined with a divinity expectation yeah, as well. Yeah. And so, so so, if you didn't do what you were supposed to do, a bunch of Roman soldiers turned up at your door and said, Caesar wills that you die. Uh, and you did die. Yeah. Uh, and though it was that simple. And, and there was like this obligation that went alongside it. So is Jesus and his demand of kingship and we're getting away a little from the nativity scene and what that looks like in terms of kingship 
we can get back to that. When, when we think of that broader story that Jesus brings and the church's statement, Jesus is Lord, mm-hmm. is it like the celebrity kind of kingship or is it like the Roman feudal type kingship? Is it a different type of kingship altogether? And and then like maybe which one do we act like it is in America mm-hmm. in the 21st century intrigues me. Um, well, let me say a great book on this is The King Jesus Gospel by Scott McKnight. Oh, I nice. did reference that when I was putting my sermons together as hmm. well. Um, and I think it does a great job of trying to pull that into what does that mean for what the gospel is and how we look at it and share it and what that means for the rest of our lives as followers of Jesus. Um, I mean, I think, and I think scripture would say that it is a different kind of kingship. Like in um, the Matthew 2 passage, when Herod has pulled the chief priests and teachers together to ask them where the Messiah is going to be born, the way that finishes is that the Messiah will be a shepherd Mm -hmm. of God's people. Mm -hmm. And that is a very different image of what a king would be. And it's also something that, I mean, if you think about history, most kings don't fall into that at any period. Or most like governmental leaders, even in different forms of government, like that's not what they do. Mm but this is what the expectation of the Messiah mm. is going to be, or one of the expectations yeah. of the Messiah is going to be. Mm. Yeah, um, I, th- I think it's fascinating. Like Jesus' kingship is, it, it's not like the Roman kingship, though it has similar demands maybe. Um, it's very unlike the celebrity kingship. Yeah. It's very unlike the no relationship Lots of wearing of the right clothing to show that you're aligned with that person, mm-hmm. but none of the interaction. Like it, like, and I, I wonder how often that's become the church's way of seeing right. Jesus I as mean, king. I mean, you see wearing wearing the right clothing, like you yeah. think of all the Christian branded clothing. As long as you got the Jesus or the right sticker on your car, uh-huh. right? We can date ourselves with the "What Would Jesus Do" movement, which, like, yeah. if you're under twenty five, hopefully you didn't hear about. But <laughs> it's like that, that like. We've kind of trended there a little bit. Oh, my 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 T-shirt says living in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. That's as much as required of me. Um, so it's fascinating that the, 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 those, there's those different facets uh, of kingship. I mean, I think we're always looking for someone or something to worship or idolize. Uh-huh. And even if it's the correct someone or something, Jesus... We still want to do it on our own terms. Mm. So, so, and again, like you, well, you look like you want to jump in, so feel free to jump in. But, it, but it's you can't have a kingdom of your own mm-hmm. and worship another king, can you? I, I would guess, like you, you something about because because I think, and I think a piece of language that I've I've used in the past that has helped people unlock this certainly helped me unlock it is when we think of kingdom. And our own kingdom, like sphere of influence, mm-hmm. is a good way of expressing that. Yeah. Um, I have a family that I'm uh, involved in, connected to, some kids that I'm helping, hopefully, to, to, to grow up well. I have 
resources. I have a house. I have these different things. Like to a certain degree, I have that circle. And it seems like the implication of following Jesus is to surrender that kingdom to his kingdom. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm then a steward of my kingdom, not a king of my kingdom. Right. Um, Which, which is a challenge like that, that giving over of something. Yeah. I mean, I think of the Lord of the Rings and this king. I am of always thinking about the Lord of the Rings. So uh, yeah, I'm Jesus, like, <laughs> Tolkien, yeah. other stuff. <laughs> um, like the this grand kingdom of Gondor that no longer has a king or yeah. at least someone who's claimed the kingship mm-hmm. is run by stewards. Oh yeah. Whose job is to be watching and waiting for the king uh-huh. to hand totally, it over yeah, when yeah. he arrives. Oh, absolutely. But when the king shows up, the stewards don't want to acknowledge that. Yes. They go as far as to say, like, no, no, mm-hmm. this is mine. We're doing fine. But but are you really yeah. the king? I don't think we can trust that. Fascinating. And, and, and then actually, they die and it's not a problem anymore. And they, but, oh, yeah. <laughs> but for full no- Spoiler alert. <laughs> Gosh. People have had plenty of stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, so <laughs> let me just for a second go full nerd. There is this beautiful moment in the book when um when one of the sons of uh, an older steward says like how long does it take with there being no king for a steward to become king? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the reply from the steward is maybe in lesser kingdoms, a generation is enough. In Gondor, 10,000 generations wouldn't be enough for a steward to become king. But even that particular character who is saying that yeah then that wouldn't even yeah oh i want to be the king i don't want a king i'm the yeah yeah Yeah, it's fine when there's a king isn't there right Uh, right but then he shows up you're like oh never mind Uh, and that's fascinating with our own stuff like when Mm -hmm. we when we think about um like my house like if i were to say to someone i want you to come look after my house while i'm on vacation i want you to steward it well there's a couple of ways actually fascinating me that that can go bad Mm-hmm. One is that they just don't take care of it. They let my cats die, which wouldn't be the end of the world. But they let my plants die. That would be a real tragedy. Um, oh, they, they they just like they they leave the doors open. They they don't lock up after them. They they leave everything a mess. That that's like bad stewardship. The other possibility is when I get home, they've changed the locks on the door. They've moved their sofa in and they sat playing Xbox. Uh, and when I try and get in, they're like, "This is our house now." Mm-hmm. Um, and both of them are equally wrong in the situation. Mm. Um, and, and so I, I think like maybe in the Western church, we think of like, oh, I'm not going to be a bad steward, but we've kind of started to own stuff a little bit that isn't ours to own, um, which is yeah, a whole mm-hmm. intriguing conversation. So, I mean, Alex already started alluded to this question, but I wanted to go back to it, which mm-hmm. was... Um, surrounding your preparation for the message, because well, you and I kind of had a, a, comedy, like a comedic little conversation midweek about, man, well, we don't preach very often and these mm-hmm. sorts of things. But you also pointed out, like, I've been assigned this text to preach about the Magi. Like, this, the series is based upon this idea that we're going to go through these sort of more obscure characters in the, in the uh, incarnation or the, in the Christmas story. And you're like, I'm studying this passage, and it's really not about them. Yeah. So could you go through maybe your process of, okay, what do I do with this? Where I want to know more about these particular characters, but they're really not the point. And how do I approach, like, you know, what would you do there when you wrestled through that? Was that a challenge? Did you, you know, yeah, describe that process for you um, in prepping the message. Yeah, it was a challenge. Um, Because, you know, I was supposed to 
preach about one thing to my understanding and what do you do when it seems like just ignore really... it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too much of a rule follower to just ignore expectations. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I mean the Magi are still part of their story. I think the hardest part was the framing mm. of how do I structure this well so people can understand what I'm trying mm. to say. But also it those other points get communicated. Um like I said, kingship is a big theme. It's part of Matthew's overall themes mm -hmm. about who Jesus is throughout his whole gospel. Um, he set it up from the beginning. This is only chapter two, so there's not a whole lot of buildup that's happened. Um, but he is doing this comparison between Jesus as the true king mm -hmm. of Israel compared to Herod, mm -hmm. who is this usurper king. And that story continues throughout the rest of chapter two with Herod trying to kill Jesus. The family flees to Egypt. They eventually come back. So I was trying to figure out a way to incorporate the rest of the story. And there was just like, that was not going to happen. I did mm. not have enough time. There wasn't a way to do it clearly mm -hmm. and still communicate the rest of everything. Yeah. Um, and part of Matthew's point is the Magi are the ones who respond rightly mm -hmm. um so it's not like the magi had to be cut out of the story completely it was just the point wasn't just to tell their story yeah um and then the yeah. other theme that i just didn't have time to cover was it's very important to matthew who's writing to a jewish audience that they know that the gospel is for jews and gentiles he includes that in the genesis uh the genealogy in chapter one mm -hmm. with mentioning these women who are part of his family history mm -hmm. who are also Gentile women like Rahab and Ruth. Mm -hmm. um, one of the most famous examples is the Great Commission, as it's called in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. And that continues throughout the whole story that Matthew's telling. But the Magi are another example of that, that these Gentiles are traveling all this way to worship mm. this Jewish Messiah. Yeah, like foreign pagan Gentiles yes. are the ones who get it. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> The, yeah. the insiders don't get it, but the foreign pagan Gentiles, they're yeah. the ones. They're the ones who show up to worship. Yeah, yeah. Um, the shepherds do too, but they're in a different gospel. Um, yeah, so that was also a big theme that was coming out, but I just, yeah, didn't have time to also go into that too. So, so one more question in the same vein for our mm -hmm. listeners. They may say, well, what do you mean that's not what it's about? Like they're there, can't you just make it about that? So the question is, how, what made what led you to determine that that's they're really not the main point of the story? Uh, what what the what was the process that you went through to say? So so let's say there's someone else out there and they're like, oh, there's only one point in this text, or like how do you get well, to that space? Yeah, I you mean, know what I'm saying interpretively, so that they can go through a passage and say, oh, here's the uh, the authorial intent of this text. Mm -hmm. How'd you arrive that there? I think it probably goes back to the question. No, I'm loving. Of, I'm, I'm in the middle. I'm loving this. I'm like, ooh, yeah. I think it probably goes back to those questions of um, where is God showing up in the text, mm. and where does sin or human need show mm. up in the text? And yes, I mean, God shows up in the star and like divinely guiding the magi to their location and everything, and warning them not to go back to Herod. Um, 
But it also seemed like the key things there were that kingship comparison, Mm -hmm. um, which isn't unique necessarily to the story in Matthew. That happens a lot, Old and New Testament, Mm -hmm. where there's some kind of um, earthly ruler like Pharaoh in the Exodus story who's trying to do their best to thwart God's plan for his Mm -hmm. people. But God divinely overrides that and provides an out. Um, whether that's through Moses and the Exodus or sending Jesus and his family to Egypt to avoid Herod or whatever. Um, so that seemed to be a really key piece. Um, yeah. And kind of where the nexus of those show up mm. is where kind of the main yeah. message seems to be. But I think, I mean, I, I think you, you mentioned wrestling with that. And I think, and I didn't know about that pre-hearing you. So what I actually loved was, I love that you wrestled with those implications. And yet, when you think about someone listening to you, really I'm just moving things in your face. No worries. To a text and listening to someone expand on a text. The, the Magi are the exemplary characters in the text. Mm-hmm. So in terms of like for us in our question, like how should I act? which is maybe the implication of a sermon. What is mine to do? They are the only character presented that you can copy. You you can't copy Jesus in that text um, (laughs) as as an infant child in a manger, theoretically. Um, You you, you could copy Herod. You could copy Herod. The the text would definitely imply that's not the person to copy. Right. So so they, they they are not the center point of the text. I completely agree, but and but, your, and your sermon yeah. definitely did this. Like they are the the center illustration of how to act. Yes. If you can learn from anyone, you can learn from them. And I think I think you pulled that out beautifully. Thanks. Totally. In your connection to like what what is the cost of embracing a king? Mm-hmm. Because the implication is is worship is some of the cost. Yeah. of embracing a king. And and that story stretches back into, I mean, you unpacked some of the journey, what certainly months, possibly years uh, of, of separating um, from family, separating mm-hmm. from culture, hiking up hills on the way to Jerusalem, um, and finally arriving in this backwater Jewish town. <laughs> uh, like th- there's definitely... Not, not only worship in terms of like the physical posture of bringing a gift mm-hmm. and bowing down that we see in the moment, but worship in terms of like a lot of sacrifice yeah. over a lot of years, a lot of personal cost. Yeah. So I think you hit the heartbeat of, of what we're talking about this Advent, which is really like, actually the Christmas story is both a surprising one and a pretty inconvenient one. Um, if you look at it in just human terms, like it's not convenient to Mary to be pregnant at 14, 15 years old uh, while being unmarried. Mm-hmm. Um, it's deeply inconvenient. It's not convenient to leave the comfortable shores of wherever they were in Arabia overlooking oceans, sitting in palaces or whatever, to trek across the wilderness to make it to a town they probably never wanted to be in and never heard of before mm-hmm. they left. Like there is definitely some some implications to each of these texts and each of these characters' stories that we can learn from. Yeah. Um, like and 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 really like central to that is like following Jesus won't always be particularly 
particularly an easy thing. Um, it comes with some personal cost. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. That's How, the. Uh, how's that? How's that for profound? So, so, and again, we, we can push into this question as much as you want to, because um, I kind of asked you and then gave you some space to think about it, and then never, never followed up. You said something that I, I loved that I'm, I'm still wrestling with. Like you, sometimes when you say you're embracing Jesus as King. And that implies turning up to worship. There is a doubt as to, can I get there in that moment? Like, there's a lot of other stuff going on. Um, so so I guess the vague way I'll ask that question is, is that was that a personal felt thing for you? Sometimes when you're preaching, you're like, no, no, this is an implication I can see. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can try and talk in a, in a sermon about, like, what it must be like to go through a divorce. I've never been through one. Um, and then sometimes you're like, oh no, that, that's, I've lived that mm-hmm. part of the journey. If you want to unpack just a little bit, like what, what was that for you in that moment? Yeah. I mean, it was both. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do think if the response is to worship and we do have this idea of in the American evangelical church, at least of worship being singing at the beginning and maybe the end of the service. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what worship is. Mm-hmm. And of course it's broader than that, but that's what we tend to think. And I think we also tend to assume that, well, real worship means that you need to be like into it and happy to be there mm-hmm. and maybe like clapping or raising your hand. Like mm-hmm. that's the right way to do it. That's like yes. genuine worship. Um which we could totally unpack. We probably don't have time ah. to fully do that. That would be a probably serious podcast. That's, not, re- that's not true. What? <laughs> um, <sighs> and even if you know you might affirm or describe it in a different way, that's kind of like our default mm. assumption. Mm-hmm. But that's just not the reality for a lot of people. Yeah. Knowing enough about what a number of people in our congregation are go through, going through, we have a big enough congregation that you can make some assumptions that mm-hmm. there's probably at least a few people who are experiencing grief, are experiencing financial hardship. Absolutely. Are dealing with mental health issues. Um, woke up on the wrong side of the bed and just would be do- rather be doing something else. Mm-hmm. Like there's, yeah, there's enough things that you can think of to know that there are people who are hearing what I'm saying and going, I guess, mm. but I'm not there so what do i do with that yes um and wanting to wanting to communicate to those people who are in that moment of questioning whether that applies to them or whether that they can get there that it still does mm-hmm. um but also trying to do that in a sensitive way because if you're in that moment of struggle and someone is telling you well you just need a you just need to worship yeah the yeah. response, like, my response typically has been, like, great. Thank you so much for your advice. Like, that is so appreciated and sensitive it's right now. really helpful to me to hear that right now. Yeah. Just try harder. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And that, that's not what I was trying to communicate, just try harder. Um, yeah, there's this great quote um, by a wise person that said, worship has less to do with how we feel in the moment and more to do with Showing up in the first place, <laughs> Jessica Rust. Oh, that's so yeah, so that's how you framed it mm-hmm. this weekend, and I think that was yeah, that was 
I think a very helpful way of framing it because it is it's like a it's a it's a drawing forward to lean in, yeah. but it's not like a shaming statement either. Yeah, so, it's not that those problems or feelings or struggles don't exist and aren't legitimate. Mm. It's not that you have to make yourself feel a certain way in order for your worship to be legitimate thing. Mm. I think God can hold and meet you in those circumstances mm. and your willingness to show up and try I think means more to him than yes. feeling the right way or acting it out. So, the right so way. I, I've been intrigued by like I, I feel like th so these two words, the, the word enjoyment and the word joy. I, I feel like in our modern society it becomes synonyms, mm -hmm. um, and, and they're not. And and so we like this, this story connects in my weird head. I have this distinct memory of of going to my aunt and uncle's for a for a, a Boxing Day party, English thing like an after Christmas party. And and I remember like driving over there and I had an ulcer in my mouth. Mm. And, and I remember like thinking, oh man, these parties are always so good and the food is amazing and I'm not going to enjoy it because of this ulcer. Like I was just like eight year old and irritated, you know, mm. you, don't, you don't have any perspective. Like it, it just felt like it ruined the whole thing that I couldn't turn up and enjoy it. Um, Somewhere, our expectation, I think, uh, in the 21st century is we should come to worship and get to enjoy it. Um, and, and that's not the same as having joy. Mm -hmm. In actual fact, you can come and God can draw joy out of you. You can reflect joy. You can experience joy. And, and that feels like its place in the biblical writer's thinking is as a practice almost as an intention, but it's not the same as just coming and saying, this feels amazing. Which, yeah. uh, spoiler alert, if you want, if that if idea at all in, sparks any interest, come back this Sunday, because I happen to know a little bird told me that uh, our preacher this coming Sunday will be talking a lot about joy. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's yeah, <laughs> carry on. But yeah, it's just, it's just fascinating, right? That, that's our expectation. Like you, you, somewhere I think I've come to church at times or come to worship at times. And, and specifically, I'm, I guess I'm saying sing in worship at times, feeling like I need to get rid of every ulcer on the way there so I can enjoy myself and getting very irritated with the things I can't control. Right. And um, like, how much does that also depend on just random petty factors like yeah what song does aaron choose to play and oh he's played a song that i don't particularly like yeah. well, the weather the person <laughs> sitting next to me that can't sing me that can't <laughs> sing like just, like there's so many things like that, that that could be the worship pastor coughing up a lung on front <laughs> on stage <laughs> um yeah i i think i think our, our expectation that everything should be enjoyable uh about Christian community about worship is actually almost like antithetical to what it is to have a king that you choose to worship because mm -hmm. he is your king. Um, so back to this quote, it means showing up. Can you give some examples of in your mind what it looks like to just show up? Like, I mean, the first and most obvious is like, Literally, literally <laughs> showing up, actually getting out of bed. Yeah, yeah, and you know, 
there are absolutely times where you, for whatever reason, legitimately cannot yeah, get totally. there mm-hmm. to be physically part of a community gathering on Sunday. Yeah. Um, or throughout the week or whatever. Like yep. that absolutely happens. Um, but sometimes that is what it means. It does mean making the effort to get yourself there on a Sunday or whenever your community meets to be present with brothers and sisters in Christ to worship God together. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it can also mean being present, Mm. um, which again can sometimes be really hard to do being a staff member on Sunday. Like, I usually don't make it in till like two songs in and sometimes the worship pastor doesn't either <laughs> <laughs> about two songs. And I'm like, wait, wait, I'm, in I'm trying to worship yeah. here. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, I might be getting a Slack message that something else is happening. Like yeah. we usually sit in the back cause more often than not, I need to go, get up and go do something. Totally. Um, so yeah, it's hard to be present. Um, but also making that effort mm-hmm. to be present, to focus on what the words are saying, mm-hmm. um, to do whatever you need to, mm-hmm. to yeah, be aware of what God is doing, even if you don't necessarily feel his presence. Yeah. Um, my personal spiritual journey, uh, at least since I was in college, um, there have definitely been times where I've really deeply felt God's mm-hmm. presence, which is always, you know, wonderful and what mm-hmm. we long for. But those are often short times and they've been followed by longer periods mm-hmm. of just not necessarily feeling or hearing mm-hmm. anything, but having to move forward in what I know that he wants me to do and how he wants me to yeah. live living in the way of Jesus, the heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be a short little period of, presence and like okay like god is with me you know he's still there like equipping i guess for the next sometimes very long season of quiet yes how, um, how do you find the energy to to sustain those long seasons personally well, if it's you... really hard <laughs> um and i th- i think those little short seasons of where i do really feel god's presence they always seem like they come like just in time yeah. You know, like it yep. would be hard to keep going, mm. but he shows up in time for me to keep going. Yes. Um, yeah, wow. Good. And whenever good. I feel it's a little bit like, oh crap, what's going to happen next? <laughs> oh no. You're like, no, it's so good when it's here. Right. Yeah. Um, I think <laughs> a couple things there's, and I like, for whatever reason, cannot remember the exact verse address, but in John a bunch of Jesus' disciples desert him and he turns to the 12 and asks them if they're going to leave too. And I think it's Peter who says, well, where else will mm-hmm. we go? I think it's John 6. Yeah. Um, is that, yeah. Um, and that has been a really key verse for me. Mm. Of if I believe that Jesus is who he says he is yeah. and has done what he claims to have done, and I believe that he is, mm-hmm. and I believe that he's demonstrated those repeatedly in those times where, you know, I have felt like he's been very present and seen him working very clearly, then where else would I go? Mm. What else could compare to what he offers and promises 
and who he is. Mm. Um, like even if I'm not feeling it, even if it's hard, yeah. mm. even if it feels like I'm going through something that really sucks mm-hmm. by myself, mm-hmm. I know that he is present mm. and I can trust that his promises are true. Yeah. Even if I would really prefer to feel all the things, the peace and the contentment and the hope and the joy, all those things, and I'm not. Mm. Um, so that has been a very key thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's huge. Mm. I think the other thing is just there's value in showing up and doing the things like prayer, like reading your Bible, like showing up to worship, even if it's extremely difficult for you to do. Yeah. And it takes everything that you have to do it. And you feel like you should be doing more and better. Mm -hmm. And you're doing it badly. Like there will be a time where that's not how it will be. Um, Mm. I think... Things get hard when we think this is how things will be or feel forever. Mm-hmm. And it very rarely is. Yeah. Sometimes totally. it is. Yeah. But it's usually not. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. And continuing to do what you can do to remind yourself of who God is and what is true and what he promises. Yes. Like there will be those times where it's obvious and it feels different. And you do have that joy that Uh you've been longing for. Yeah, I think that's so wise. And and it's so easy for us, I think, to put like a quality measure on on how we read uh, scripture, how we pray, how we engage in different practices. I I, I had this season. What what do you mean by that? Like, like well, if I if it feels good, then it's a better quality. So feels good Bible is part reading. of it. Like even just the amount of time you have. Like uh, in one season of my life, I, I I was trying to read through the Bible like five times a year. I was reading like 16 chapters a day. Wow. And I had space to do that. And I was doing it because a friend of mine was 70 and he was doing it. I was like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Um, Now, based on that, like no quantity would ever amount to what I was able to do then. I just don't have that much space. So like, is that that I took a step backwards or just I had a season where I was able to do it and somewhere it's still beneficial. And when you think about like, I mean, you've touched on worship a few times. Uh, the, this broader definition of worship is probably like the Romans 12 idea of you, you're giving your body as a living sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Like that's worship. Um, there's a surrender to worship that, that for me, I think, is about surrendering an outcome. Like, I want certain things. Mm-hmm. I expect certain things. Uh, and, and, I, and I want everything I do to be driven by a good feeling. Mm-hmm. And, and you, what, you, what you really said with, with that idea of it, it's about showing up is like, it's not about following a feeling. The feeling might follow the action. It might. But, but actually, like, part of my surrender to a king is, is surrendering the outcomes that I think are the ones that should take place or the ones that I need to take place or all those different things. And, and in actual fact, that's not how kingship works, I guess. Yeah, totally. Um, I have a, another question about kingship actually. I love it. So one of the things I appreciated is 
uh, about your message also is I, and I think I'm a, I'm a culprit of this by the way, but I, I think that I want to always elevate the sort of wooing nature of God mm -hmm. for, for the broken, the hurting, the down and out, that sort of, um, like he's never going to force you. He, he just, he longs, he loves you. He sort of loves you into the kingdom. His kindness leads you to repentance, all these things, which is, I think is true. And mm -hmm. it's beautiful. And a lot of churches have lost that. And that's one of the reasons I love that. But there was a, I, maybe my mistake is sometimes to forget that he is the king of the universe. And so I felt like you're, you were, you were leaning a little bit more on that. And it was a little bit refreshing reminder for me, like, no, you need to worship because he's God and he's king. Mm -hmm. um, so could you, um, have you ever wrestled with that sort of thing? Like there's, a, there's an authority that just demands worship from him. And that's part of what you were kind of unpacking this weekend. Could you expound about on that? Yeah. I mean, yes, I have wrestled with it. I wrestled with it in preparing the message. And I think partly because it is, it is a hard and uncomfortable message. Um, I th it's not something we necessarily want to hear that, yeah, your life is not your own and you've, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are called to submit everything that you have and everything that you are. Your body's is a living sacrifice, like mm -hmm. in Romans 12, as you were saying, to the one that you believe and claim is Lord of all, creator mm -hmm. of the universe, um, the one who sustains and creates and um, who will one day, we believe, return and fully establish his kingdom that mm. we should be longing for. Um, I think part of that is maybe because we, you know, don't necessarily teach on kingdom theology mm. a whole lot. Like I know I had never heard of it until I went to college and mm. got my degree in religious studies. Mm. So we talked about it. Um, but it's also like, that's not what we ultimately want to do. We want to make our own choices. We want to, be free to decide what we're going to do with our lives and how we're going to respond and where our money goes and, um, have our own kingdom and have our own kingdom. Yeah. Um, and what we do X, Y, and Z. And it's really hard to tell people that that's what they need to do. Oh, yeah. Like even that, that is what scripture is saying in that passage and all throughout, mm -hmm. like to be the person to deliver the uncomfortable message of, and you all need to do this too. Yes. Um, and ultimately, again, if Jesus is who he says he is, we will all be doing it one day, mm -hmm. whether or not we believe that this is every knee will bow. Yeah, every tongue. He yeah. says he is. Yeah, um, it's those messages that make you realize, like, if everybody likes you as a preacher, you're probably not doing it right. Like, right? Which I find super challenging. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of prayer that went into that of just okay, prepare, prepare hearts to hear this. Yeah. Because it's hard for me to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think the other the other part of it is that Jesus is this unexpected king. There mm -hmm. is the the rulership and the power and the divine authority and every knee will bow and tongue confess. But he is also the king who has come close. Like oh, I brought so up good. Philippians yeah. too. He did not consider 
kingship, something mm-hmm. to be grasped, communion of self, nothing, surrender to self, death, even on a cross. He has experienced all that we have experienced. Yeah. He is a good shepherd king. Who so has it's, come it's close both, to us. right? It's and both. that's what makes yeah, it beautiful. Right. Like he demands the authority. And then you give it to him, you surrender, and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm so glad because he's so good. Yeah, in, in my that's reading, awesome. that's awesome. In my reading, less than 16 chapters this morning, I, uh, <laughs> uh, part of what I was reading was uh, Slacker. So. Yeah. No, I'm sure. <laughs> was, uh, I want to say, Matthew uh, 12. Was it 12? 10 or 12. Um, Come to me, or ye, you who are um, weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Um, and then he even goes on the next part is, I will give you rest for your souls. Mm. Like it just, and it is, it is a very wooing text. Um, and, and so the same God, the same Jesus that, that can command the stars to tell a bunch of Magi from the other side of the continent to come and worship can also say something like that. It's, so good. It's pretty compelling. Um, well, we're uh, we're approaching fifty minutes. Look at us go. And we fumbled through the first few minutes because I was not ready. But I apologize. <laughs> but I did want to give you an opportunity. So, like, um, so whether it's someone who listened to your message Sunday uh, or they're hearing it, you know, after the fact through this podcast, what are some like what what's sort of your what was your longing for the congregation as you were prepping this message? I hope that fill in the blank is the outcome for someone in this space. Um, could you unpack that a little bit briefly? Briefly. <laughs> <laughs> My hope was that people would be able to catch a glimpse of both the bigness of God and the nearness of God mm. and be moved to worship. I love it. That's awesome. That's profound. Um, yeah. Oh, delightful on that note. Finish. Yeah. Well, I, I, any, on, any... on that note, I want to complain about this sofa again briefly, but um, <laughs> as we close, this is the most uncomfortable sofa. It is so bad. It's so bad. But we are a red couch. We are committed to this sofa. So we will change the name again. We, <laughs> we might find pillows or something to make it a little bit easier. But we are committed. We're we're suffering for Jesus for you guys out there on the podcast land. <laughs> but, but Jessica, it was delightful to have you with us in the comfortable chair. Thanks. Um, yeah. This this chair is fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm longing to get my chair back, but it was worth giving it up to have you. You don't get it next week either. Or the week after. Or the week after. You just have to suffer. Oh, maybe man, if I'm you're weeks away. Maybe if you're lucky, you can be holding a little baby and not be on the podcast at least one of the times. Yeah. That sounds delightful. Child is coming at some point. That's right. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you have questions or if you've wrestled with some of this yourself, like uh, the authority of God versus the tenderness of God or um, this kingship idea of like uh, the, uh, these sorts of things, then drop us a comment or something that's helped you through that process yourself in the comment section. Um, we're, we're still looking for some of you fans. We, we keep hearing from you fans and then no, no one rates our podcast. So that's okay. Um, we just don't believe that you're actually fans until you, well, rate, until you rate the podcast. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, I, I'm still planning. I'm trying to guilt people. Fake accounts to yeah. <laughs> rate my own. Well, podcast. you're not very good at it because there's still only a few. So uh, okay. you need to get on it. But, uh, um, Thanks for tuning in. Any any final thoughts? Any final words? It was profound enough. No. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, thanks for tuning it. in. We love you all. See you guys next and week. And we will see you 
next week if I can figure out how to turn this podcast off. Well, thanks again for listening. And we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this. So feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing. And we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.